0: Matter, matter, episode 171. Okay, hi Sheddies, the time is uh, something, my time, and it's also something your time, I don't want to bother with that right now. First off, crappy sound quality, my microphone has f- fully died... It's a relatively new microphone. It's a very new microphone. It should still be working. I don't know what happened. I'm going to do what I usually do and blame my children. One of them must have fucked around with it too much while making online porn or something. I don't know. I try not to get involved in their hobbies um, or have anything to do with them. Um, This is weird. I just realized I'm still talking into my broken microphone, which I don't need to do. But this is uh, being recorded using the Laptops internal microphone, so it's going to be dog shit, but trust me, it's better than the product of the microphone right now, which sounded like someone was crackling a, a bag the entire time. Um, <clears throat> what was I going to say? Started the intro with a, a Northern Irish accent. we got England versus Ireland coming up, so I wanted to make it somewhat Ireland themed. I don't want to make it about the French because. Um, why should we? Why, why should we talk about that shit? I don't want to think about it. Let's talk about something. In fact, let's not even... Let's talk about you. How are you doing? Huh? How, how are things going? Not good? What's wrong? What is it? Oh, you're upset about the England versus France match still. Okay. Well... Oh, fuck. I didn't... I don't want to talk about it, but I have been told by a panel of uh, therapists um, as uh, from behind the safety of a Of a screen where they talk to me with a microphone as i'm restrained hannibal lecter style that it's important to not uh bottle these these things up uh so we have to analyze it we have to talk about england versus france a record loss the most humiliating no the second most humiliating uh uh england international experience that i have ever witnessed um and yeah, we'll talk about it right now, shall we? It's uh, Rugby Rant's Banzer episode hundred and seventy one. Let's go. You know, I don't want to do this today, this week. I'm a day late, but that's normal. I don't really want to record a podcast right now. I'm not in the mood. I had a workout. I've got to leave for my day job in less than an hour. I've got just about enough time to record this podcast. And then later tonight, I'll come back and edit and release it. So you'll be getting this on a Thursday, your Thursday if you can be bothered to listen to it on time. And if you don't listen to it on time, you may now ne- you may never listen to it. I'm talking to the people that, that haven't listened to this now. Uh, once the island match happens. Eh, it, it's interesting. Rugby podcasts are one of the few podcasts where there really is a sort of uh, expiration date on them. Once you've missed a week, if you're a week behind on podcasts, there's usually not much reason you want to li- listen do you because you've moved on. Um, Anyway, I got sidetracked. Let's talk about this France match. Now, let me tell you something. I watched the full game. I... I haven't thought about it much since, deliberately. I haven't really wanted to talk about it. I haven't really wanted to think about it. Certainly haven't wanted to talk about it. In fact, the bar I work at, there's this... I've talked about him before, this uh, old Australian guy called Ross. And he's a real bastard. And uh, I think I mentioned him last week. Anyway... I walked past him. I was in a terrible mood. And he went, oh, yeah, how about the, the French, huh? And I went, ugh. And I, like, ignored him. And he goes, oh, don't you want to talk about it? And I just walked off. Um, and I'll never speak to him again. And, and by the way, Australia in a, in a terrible position right now, lower ranked than us. And as I think I mentioned last week, they lost to Italy, something England have never done. But no doubt will do one day. Anyway, that's just a little personal grudge I have. Um, really quickly, let's look at, I'm just looking at my notes, which I, again, I haven't looked at since the weekend. Um, what I do, some of you will know that I do little, uh, player ratings for the players of all people. And, um, it's on a, a grade system, a letter grade. And the way I do it is for every good thing a player does, they get a plus, excuse me. And every bad thing, they get a negative and they all start with a C grade. Right at the kickoff, and this isn't for like a lit, you don't get a you know, it's not like someone does a you know, someone if if Owen Farrell converts a, or, or Marcus Smith in this case makes a kick and it's an easy kick, he doesn't get a plus for that. It has to be like significant things. So, a really difficult kick if he got it, if someone puts in a really good tackle, if someone beats a couple defenders, it, it doesn't matter. But these are the grades that we ended up with, and maybe it'll be telling at the end. Ellis Genge. C. Jamie George, C. Carl Sinclair, C. Marowatoji, B minus. How? Ollie Chesham, C plus. Lewis Ludlam, C. Jack Willis, C. Don Brandt, D. Okay. Um, Jack Van Portfleet, C minus. Marcus Smith, I've got to do the math here. C minus, C, C plus, C minus, C, C minus. He ends up with a C. Lots of positives and negatives for him. Anthony Watson, C. Ollie Lawrence, C. Henry Slade, C. Max Malins, C plus. Freddie Stewart, B plus. Freddie Stewart <laughs> really stood out to me as excellent. And a lot of people have talked about him being actually a liability in defense. Maybe that's something I wasn't watching for. Maybe it's harder to see it on TV. I don't know, but I didn't notice that. But the the thing that I'm noticing as I go through these grades is there's not – you would expect um, after a 53-10 to 10 loss, you'd expect Ds across the board, wouldn't you? But it just goes to show, maybe it's just a flaw in my, um, my grading system that there weren't lots and lots of errors. It wasn't that people made mistakes. It's that collectively we weren't, we didn't show up for it. Now, anyone who watched that game with a brain, with a rugby brain will know it was lost in the forwards, specifically at the breakdown. Um, but that's the thing. If I look at this back row, the only one with a bad grade was Alex Donbrandt, who got a D and I'm not sure. I can't remember the specific events, but I do, you know, I'm an Alex Dombrandt fan, but, and to be clear, I'm going to be saying I'm going to later on, I will be defending to a certain degree, certain players that maybe have been criticized because there's not that much they could do. But Alex Dombrant, someone that I've been a big fan of, I feel like he's been given enough chances now and has been found a little bit lacking. You know, Um, I think we'll all agree that what we really need at number eight is a big aggressive bastard. And by the way, it's not Billy Vunapola. I've seen a lot of people hyping up Billy uh, saying, Oh, you don't realize you need him until you're missing him. But Billy Vunapola hasn't been that impressive for me in a while. And he would not have made a difference in the, no single player really would have made a difference in this in this uh match I think that the flaw, the fault really lies you'd have to say with Steve borthwick and I hate to say it because I have said I'm on record for the saying that well it's not like I was desperate for him I don't think I ever called for him to be uh to take over from Eddie Jones I wanted someone to who was it I always liked Mark McCall. I always thought he would have been the best option, but but I was happy with Steve Borthwick. And I thought he would get results. And I thought he was very, very possibly the best man for the job. And I still think he's a good player. And I don't think this is the end of the world for us. But there's no denying it. The flaw here was in the, the England's approach to the game. Unless we were just outplayed. You know, some people want to say that we just don't have the talent that our players, man for man, were just outplayed, couldn't stand up to the French team. I find it very hard to believe, you know, um, because it wasn't that long ago that France was struggling and France couldn't handle uh, the players we have. Now, they didn't go into a lab and just create a bunch of new players in the last 10 years, did they? they? Some of those players had been around... In uh, weaker French teams. Some of them have been developed from the league. I actually know nothing about the French players, so I don't know why I'm trying to talk about it. But the fact of the matter is, I don't believe that with the core group of players we have and what they've achieved in the past and what they have shown that they can do, I don't believe that it's... I mean, maybe it's partly a personnel issue. Well, certainly it is. For example, I don't think Back to Alex Dombrandt. I don't think he's the right man to be playing eight. He could be. It's about balance. And a lot of people say this, and it's something that I tend not to address that much. I was happy with this back row, back row of Ludlam, Willis, and Dombrand. It looks like a fucking great back row. But maybe, you know, we needed someone like, well, fuck, that's the problem. If it's not Billy Vunapola, who is it? Dave Ewers? Who's off to Ireland? I don't know. I don't know. This is the biggest issue. I think that it's easy to see what the problem is with England right now, what or what the problem was in that particular match. But it's very hard. It's another thing altogether to, to figure out what to do about it. I find it. I just find it really hard to think that it's about switching out a bunch of players. I don't think it is. But there's a number of players I would switch out. Um, a, a part of me thinks that um, Steve Borthwick missed a, a trick here by not totally revamping this squad and i know everyone keeps saying well he was only allowed a certain number of changes um even if that's true you have to assume that he was happy with that that he felt confident with the players he has otherwise he wouldn't have taken the job um but but back to how we lost that match our approach seems completely wrong and this is what it seemed like england England did the, the decision to pick Marcus Smith at 10 for this match, of all matches, is a huge statement. It was a huge statement. It suggests that they are, it, it, it gives away the style of play they want to play. They want to play a quicker, more attacking game. They want to try and use their backs. So is it possible that Borthwick and his team went into this match with the goal of playing a more exciting attacking brand of rugby? But he forgot one thing. You have to win the ball to do that. And that could be the the whole problem is that we went into this match, maybe, maybe, well, certainly underestimating how good, how aggressive France were going to be at the breakdown. And this is something that um, has been a problem with England for a while, but bizarrely, not this Six Nations. When uh, with uh, Steve Borthwick and uh, Kevin Sinfield, what I noticed was the two things that looked really, really good, even when we lost to Scotland was the speed that we got to the breakdown and the speed of our the aggression in our defense. I felt like England's defense was a, was very, very, well, I was going to say competent, beyond competent, it looked very, very difficult to break. And in this match, we looked weakest in those areas that i felt confident about we felt we we were weak at the breakdown our defense was shit and it and it it's hard to believe that this can happen at that level but it definitely seemed like they just didn't turn up like they didn't they underestimated i don't know how or why but they seemed to not be prepared for the intensity of the not just the French breakdown, but everything that France did. The breakdown, their defensive line, their attack. Um, And that's why we were really outplayed in every possible area. But it all starts with that selection of of Marcus Smith at 10. And by the way, I love Marcus Smith. I think he's the right man for England at 10, long term. However, I, I don't remember what I said last week. But certainly on Twitter and other shitty shitholes like that, I was saying I actually think Farrell probably should start. I just would have liked Marcus Smith to get a lot more time. Um, And I didn't think Marcus Smith would be picked when he was picked. I was excited, though. It's not like I'm not going to claim that I expected it to go horribly wrong. Although I did fear that it might, not because I was worried about the way that England would play. I was just more worried about me and my Scheiders touch and uh, how the universe conspires to make me look stupid. Um, Anyway, um, let me look through my notes for this match and see if there's anything worth talking about. Uh, The first thing I wrote down is that there were two French players giggling during the anthem. I don't know who they were because I'm not familiar enough with the players, but two of them pissing themselves laughing. And I remember thinking... Oh, they're not taking this very seriously. That was fucking stupid. I did write down here that Owen Farrell was dropped for a major test match for the first time in nine years. That's something that no one talks about. If this stat is accurate, and I believe it is, this was the first time in nine years that Owen Farrell was dropped for a major test match because he's always there. He's either at 12 or he's at 10, right? Always. Um, and for the most part, justifiably so. I just think with Steve Borthwick... So here's the other thing. Sorry, my uh, ADHD is bouncing me all over the place, but rumour has it, I don't think it's been announced yet, it hasn't, uh, rumour has it that uh, Owen Farrell will be will be back in the side and Marcus Smith is going to be dropped for the game against Ireland. Further rumour suggests that George Ford is going to start at 10 and Owen Farrell will be 12. I've actually read both. I've read that Farrell's going to be 12 with George Ford inside him. I've also read that it's going to be Farrell at 10, Manu at 12, Slade at 13, Slade very, very, very lucky to keep getting picked. I really haven't seen anything from him that um, suggests he deserves that spot. And you've got Joe Marchant available. It's very weird to me. Also, How good was um, Porter when he was given a chance with England? He's out now. Anyway, getting sidetracked. What was my point? Oh, yeah. I kind of feel like if you're going to start Marcus Smith, he should have started from the beginning of the tournament. When you made Owen Farrell captain, not you, you didn't do it. I'm talking to Steve Borthwick. When you made Owen Farrell captain, that suggests that you think He's the best man to captain. And to me, the best man to captain should be a guy who's undroppable. Um, then he was dropped. Then, now look, lots of people have criticized Marcus Smith, as we knew he would. If you're a Marcus Smith fan, watching that match, it would have occurred to you early on, oh shit, this game is going to go horribly wrong. Marcus Smith is getting terrible ball there's nothing he can do oh shit he made a mistake at one point i can't even remember what we missed touch once um and maybe he did a crappy kick i can't remember but fuck me if you think that marcus smith was the problem or that it would have made any difference if there was a different guy at 10 or that you think he sh- that, that that the result of that match and his performance is proof that he shouldn't be starting for england then I have to assume you've never played. You've either, I was going to say you've never played rugby. You may have, but maybe you've never played in a back line behind a losing, like not just losing, but a completely outclassed pack. And trust me, I spent a majority of my rugby career playing scrum half and it's fucking horrible. And when you ship the ball onto the fly half, sometimes it feels like you're just saying here, you deal with this shit and it's hard. It's, it's, awful. If Owen Farrell had started that match, don't get me wrong, all the Owen Farrell haters would be saying that's further proof that Farrell shouldn't be there. If only we had a mercurial genius like Marcus Smith there that could have added some spark and frightened the French. No doubt, no doubt, people would be saying that. I might even be saying that. But that's not what happened. And I do think that Marcus Smith has been victim of a lot of criticism that he just doesn't deserve. It was a completely impossible task for him. That being said, the decision by Borthwick to drop him for the next match may not be the wrong decision, but it does suggest it kind of uh, reveals a bit of desperation by Steve Borthwick and it makes him look a little bit clueless. I mean, we know he's not clueless. We know he's a good coach. He is. But to chuck Marcus Smith into the team, then have a game like that, a result like that, a, a team performance like that, and then to go, oops, never mind, I don't want him there, to me kind of suggests they don't know what they're doing. Or maybe not. Maybe he saw in that game that it's not the right move. I don't know. Again, I don't, what would I do for this island match? Well, I'll tell you what. Whatever the fuck I felt like, because there's nothing that is going to make a difference to the outcome. This is the first time in my life where I have watched England play a match against Ireland and had to concede that there is no conceivable way for us to win because I don't think we're better than them in any area of the game. And that is both a compliment to the Irish team, which I hate to give, but also... An honest assessment of England. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't think we're as bad as a fucking, you know, we're not as bad as a 53 to 10 loss to France. That was, um, what's the word? An anomaly. I don't think that that would happen. I like to say this a lot. If we played them 10 times, we'd lose more than we won for sure, but we would win some and we wouldn't get spanked like that every time i don't think that's a really clear marker of where we're at and maybe 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 fingers crossed it's going to i feel like this irish team is too good for this but maybe it will lull the irish team into a false sense of security and maybe they'll relax a bit and maybe they won't be up for it and maybe we can put up a good fight but i feel like they are better than us in the set piece they're better than us and by the way this is from a cursory glance at the Irish performances. I never watch them play. Sometimes I watch the highlights, but what I see with them is an extra level in everything they do, and I mean everything they do. I don't I'm still not feeling like England is very cohesive in anything it does. I think we could be, and I think it is a work in progress, and I do I'm willing to give Steve Borthwick the benefit of the doubt and say this is the very beginning. He's just started. And it is very, very possible that big losses like this, whilst painful, when looked at with a wider lens as part of the big picture, are just going to be an important part of the, of the stepping stones towards building a team that he could could win a World Cup with. Not the, the one coming up. If that's the goal, we're definitely going about it the wrong way. But maybe long term, maybe this is all going to work out. I don't know. I'm 50-50. There's just as good a chance that after the World Cup, Steve Borthwick's gonna be fired and it will have been a humiliating and terrible um tenure. I hope not. Not just because I want England to do well. I hope not for Steve Borthwick's case. It's uh I think he's too good of a coach and deserves doesn't deserve it. Um looking through my notes again. After six minutes, France easily beating the English defense. Oh yeah. I do want to point out real quick. Now, I never blame the referee, even if I think it is the referee's fault. And in this case, obviously it wasn't. But a criticism of the ref that that goes both ways. This is not like it was unfair on us. He really wanted quick ball, like to the point that at one point he yelled, use it, that someone was getting tackled. He wasn't yet on the ground. He had one knee down. It would just formed a ruck. He hadn't got the ball on the ground yet. The referee yells, use it. The rep, the ball was not to the back foot yet. And he yelled balls out, use it. And he did this constantly. It was the second there was contact. It was almost like he was yelling, use it before the tackle was made sometimes. And I found it really fucking annoying to be honest with you. Um, Yeah, see here, after 25 minutes, I made the point, England, not very good. France, very good. What can you do about that? No specific player's fault. Um, That's not important. Our pack is really letting us down. Not enough numbers or intensity at the breakdown. Don Brandt's carry at the restart was so weak. We need a stronger carrier. Okay, so let's talk about that. So first things first, first things first. And I want to wrap this up quickly because I don't like the sound quality with this internal mic. And I don't want to do that. I don't, I'm not enjoying myself. Okay. (laughs) Hopefully you are to some degree. Um, Don Brandt has to be replaced in my opinion, unless you can bring in a really fucking big blindside. Then again, Lewis Ludlam, I think is big enough. Lewis Ludlam's big enough to play eight. Ah, shit. I don't know. All I know is this. Don Brandt hasn't offered enough. And he looked weak in the carry. And it's not, it's not, you can't really hide in the back row, can you? Um, so I need him replaced. And the two players that when I was watching the match that I thought of was either move Lewis Ludlam to eight, then who do you put at six? I don't know. But then a the player that I've talked about for a long time is uh, what's his name? Oh, Christ. Ruin Ackerman. It's like the reason I took a while is I'd written down Ruan Pienaar, which is weird. Um, but Ruan Ackerman is someone that I only thought of a few weeks, maybe a few months ago. I don't think I uh, – maybe I've thought I mentioned him a few months before. But I do generally hate bringing in mercenaries. But this is an emergency. We really need a big, strong, aggressive ball carrier. They don't want Ben Earl. Not that Ben Earl is huge, but I do think Ben Earl, like. When I saw Alex Dombrandt carrying specifically from one restart where he basically flaccidly tried to enter the defense of the opposition and just fell over, Ben Earl would have been more dynamic, more difficult to bring down than that. So maybe Ben Earl would be a good option. I don't know. I don't know. I just know that Dombrandt needs to be replaced. Um... Of course, Chesom, Oli Chesham is injured. Who do we bring in there? Again, I thought Maro Itoji played quite well. He's starting to look a little bit better. He's still the best option we have. People are talking about rushing George Martin back into the pack. And I did say last week that I would like to see George Martin back in the squad. But honestly, I think Dave Ribbons is so good. I would I would shove another South African, for fuck's sake. I'd shove him straight in with Itoji. You know what I'm going to do? Because I want to end this. I've kind of babbled and jumped all over the place. Personally, I would... B- because I don't think there's any way we can win this, <clears throat> I think I would rather see Marcus Smith start again. Owen Farrell starting would be fine. I don't want George Ford starting. I, I find it mind-blowing that there's people who really want... um, um. George Ford to start a match having not played for like over like since last season, but whatever, I'm not going to get into it. I would have Marcus Smith start if I could. Um, let me tell you the team I would have, and I'm not happy about it because I, I'm not, I just don't know what to do. I feel like the, the, the players on the pitch against France should have been good enough, but since they were nowhere near good enough, I don't see what can be done about it. I would probably stick with Genge, stick with George, Stick with Sinclair, I suppose, because who else do they have? If Bevan Rod's available, I wouldn't mind starting him. Itoji uh, and Ribbon's in the second row. Back row, I personally would have gone with probably Ludlam, Willis, and Earl. But I think Ben Earl's been sent back to Saracens again. So no doubt it'll be Ben Curry somewhere. I, d- I don't think Don Brand will start this match, but maybe he will. But fuck it, I would have Ludlam. Sorry. Yeah, Ludlam, Willis, and Earl from the players in the EPS. Uh, at Scrum Half, I would start Alex Mitchell. I would start Marcus Smith. And then i probably keep... Oh, Ollie Lawrence is out. See, that changes everything. I forgot Ollie Lawrence is out. What the fuck do we do? Because I wasn't even wanting Slade there. You know what? With Ollie Lawrence out, I give up. I don't care anymore. I needed more time to think about this. I'm going to let it go because I, I just I'm tired. Um, hopefully England will put up a fight against Ireland and give us something to be excited about. But I fear for the worse, and I'm thinking we're probably going to lose by fifty. Let's see. Bye.